You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Clint Wright. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday's service now. That was some good worship, especially the part that was in Spanish, right? I mean, that was, that's awesome right there. Um, this, the scriptures here today are, are pretty heavy. So before we get into the heavy scriptures, I figure I might lighten things up just a little bit. Tell a story about my wife. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I do have a, I do have a joke for Pastor Mark. Where's Mark? Is he in here yet? Got one for you. Um, and feel free to answer this one. This is a dad joke. <laughs> Here's a, a dad joke. Um, what did Tennessee? Get a baby. <laughs> Same thing as Arkansas. That was, that was for you, Mark. I had, to, I had to come up with But I do have a, a little bit better of a joke. I mean, it's an old one, but, you know, I, true. <laughs> I'm playing. Hey, here's one right here for you, Okay. The rich woman and her perfect husband. Y'all ready for this? I'm going to have to zoom in here. I got those 40-year-old eyes now. Um, several men were in the locker room of a gym, and when a cell phone on a bench rang, and a man put it on speakerphone, begins to talk, and everyone else in the room stopped and listened. The man says, hello. The woman says, hi, honey, it's me. Are you at the club? Yeah, woman well, I'm at the shops now and found this beautiful leather coat. It's only $2,000. Is that okay if I buy it? Sure, go ahead. If you like it that much, go ahead. I also stopped by the Lexus dealership and saw the new models. I saw one I really liked. Well, how much? 90000 Okay, but for that price, I want it to be with all the options. The woman says, great. Oh, and one more thing. I was just talking to Janie and found out that the house I wanted last year is back on the market. And they're asking $980,000 for it. The man says, well, then go ahead and make an offer of about $900,000. They'll probably take it. If not, we can go to the extra $80,000 if that's what you really, if that's what you really want. The woman says, okay, I'll see you later. And I love you so much. The man says, bye, I love you too. And then, of course, the man hung up. The other men in the locker room were staring at him in astonishment, mouths wide open on the floor. And then the man turned and asked, anyone know whose phone this is? <laughs> That's good stuff right there. I can relate to that. Being a coach, I can relate to that. So we're in Mark, we're in Mark 14 today. Um, so I want to start out, we'll just read the first, uh, I don't know, five or six verses here. Uh, Mark 14, three through about nine. So and if you want to use the screen, that's, that's fine. Um, it says, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii 
and given to the poor. And then they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. And she has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Let's pray one more time. Father, we come to you and we just thank you for the word, Lord. And we thank you for this story of what it tells us, Father. And Father, we can really see the humility in this, this woman here, Father, and in the depth of her sin, Lord, and the fact that she humbly comes to Jesus and washes feet, Father. Father, may we see this as how we should worship our Lord, because um, you deserve it, Father. You deserve our all. Lord, may we give that daily in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when we look at uh, Mark, there's a question that always seems to come up is, is, who can this be? And so throughout Mark, you'll see it, and it's not very long of a book, uh, but you can constantly ask the question, who can this be? And obviously we're talking about Jesus here. But there's a purpose, I think, behind it. And it's always to repent and respond in faith. And what does that look like? So I want to summarize the past few weeks. And um, we had Mark um, Kirkendall. He preached on Mark 10. And then Clint did 11 and 12. And then I'm obviously doing 14 today. But I want to kind of summarize some of the things that I took from uh, their previous messages, and, and because I think it's so fitting to kind of get the whole picture of what's going on. So um, Mark, as in Mark Kirkendall, asked this question. He said, what is the most important thing about me? And it's what we believe about Christ. That's the most important thing about each and every one of us, is what we believe about Christ. It's not about how much money we have, how good our kids are at sports. It's not any of those things. It's about what we believe about Christ. And then he goes on and he says that Jesus shows us the error of our hearts every time. He wants our hearts to be captured by him. And he wants us to come to him like little children and believe. Uh, it says we must be dedicated to put Christ first in our lives and set aside all the idols because Jesus, and I love this, and I'm sure there's 50 songs written about it. It says, Jesus is worth more than anything, even me. Jesus is worth more than anything, even me. So when I read the story about the anointing at Bethany, I can hear the lady saying that Jesus is worth everything. Brother Clint said this, Mark chapter 11. He said, the best thing Jesus can do for you is violate your expectations of him. And I thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. Where are you going with this? And he said this, and it, it, was, it made a lot of sense. And because I'm an old coach here, he said, Jesus does the victory parade before the war. In other words, he celebrated before the war. I mean, can you imagine those enemies sitting there? You know, it's just like World War II, World War, I, World War II or something, and America's already celebrating. You know how that would look? He says, what one would expect in a king's entrance, only to be riding on a colt or a donkey. You expect this king that's supposed to be coming, right? 
Everyone's expecting the king, the Messiah. It's supposed to be this grand entrance, right? And he comes riding on a colt or a donkey. Our expectations, right? It says Jesus will lay down his life for his sheep rather than someone actually taking his life. That Jesus will willingly lay down his life, and he did. We know that. And then he goes on and preaches in Mark, Mark chapter 12. He says, trying to follow Jesus on our own terms, only knowing this, that anything less than everything from us is a trap. Obviously quoting the scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then adding, love your neighbors. Love your neighbors as yourself. And then probably one of my favorite stories, and I think it goes right along with the woman at Bethany here, is the two mites, where the woman gave everything she had. Gave everything probably we couldn't even eat the next day. So I'll say this, love the Lord with sacrifice, even if it's out of the abundance of our poverty. Poor lady gives everything she gave in spite of her poverty. Now, let's get back to the anointing at Bethany real quick. And I'll call it the sinful woman because that's what it was. She was overwhelmed by the depth of her sin, but she knew who Jesus was and that he could forgive her. And so I love Luke's account, and I wanted to kind of put that up there. I don't know if we got it in, in the slides or not, but I love Luke's account and his story of it because it really paints a deeper level of worship. I'm a worship pastor. I'm a worship leader, and music isn't the only way we should worship. We know that. Um, but I can't help but gravitate to this passage. Uh, so when we look at Luke's account, it says this. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. With her tears. She wiped them with the hair of her head, kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. She's kissing her Savior's feet. She's weeping how many of us have ever been moved to the point of tears because Jesus is the one we're supposed to be worshiping, right? Verse 39, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what this sort of woman is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. I just kind of made a little note that, man, sometimes we see other people's sin before we recognize our own. This guy's calling her out because of her sin when obviously he has his own sin. And I think about all the ones that are there watching this go down, Judas being one of them. And we'll get to him. But if we truly understood the weight of our sin and who we really are worshiping, would our affection look like hers? Should our affection today look any different than what we are doing every Sunday? And I got news for you. There's roughly, what, 30, 31 days out of the month, and we come together roughly four, maybe five times a month to worship as a community, as a body of believers. I think it's very, very important for us to be sure every day that we wake up that we devote time to our Lord because he has done so much. 
Jesus was the object of her affection, and we can see that. And I think this is kind of profound when you think of it. Jesus can see under all that sin and can see her heart for what it truly is. And he understood what she was doing, right? See, Jesus is the only one that can see her worth. And her worth is willing, him willing to die in her place for her sin. That's how much that girl meant to him, that he was willing to die. Verse 48 of Luke, and it says this. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. And they're just sitting there going, what in the world? What's going on? They can't see past the end of their nose, right? And I read this. It said, and I can't, couldn't find the author, so I'm not, it's not my words. I could not find the author of this. But it said this. This woman gave away something of great value in order to show her affection for the Lord. But we're going to see here, Judas gives away something of great value in order to show his affection for himself. So let's look at Judas. Let's pray first. It says, Father, Lord, let us pour out our love to you, Lord, like this lady did, Father. Let us truly see you as the center of our affection and Father, may we sit here and really gravitate to the thought to truly know the sacrifice that was made in our place. The cross paved the way for us to be with you, Father. We know that, Lord. Let us humble ourselves enough to sacrifice something, Father. Lord, let us weep in thankfulness for the forgiveness of sin, Father, and your love and your kindness and your goodness and your faithfulness, Father. Lord, thank you so much for being Lord of our lives, Lord. May we reflect on this daily, Father. Let us not forget that we true, we, we too, Father, are sinners that need a Savior, Father. And we, we thank you for making a way, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's continue on. Let's look at Judas. Now, Judas, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking to myself, what is... Everybody knows Judas because Judas, you know, handed over Jesus for 30 pieces of silver or whatever. You know, we know that story. But I started thinking about Judas. I was like, okay, how can I apply this to my life? What, is, what does that look like, you know? And he's, he's kind of a schemer. And the whole time he's in charge of the money. And, and we know this. And, and I started thinking, well, I know, I know Judas is a liar. He's a thief. But he was with Jesus. So you know he's getting some of this, right? He's you know he's getting, he's seeing things that Jesus has done, things that Jesus has said. And each gospel account's different. Sometimes these, like this one happens towards the end of Mark. Some of them happen in the beginning, like Luke 7 and etc. cetera. Um, so each account's a little bit different. But I started thinking about Judas. And I was like, how can I apply that to my life? And where do I fit in? Do I... Do I ever trade off Jesus for other things like money, etc.? And I was I was sitting here thinking about it, and I remember there was a time, Brittany, you close your ears. I think last time, if you were here, you heard me tell a story about us going into the car dealership and walking away with two vehicles, you know, and it was such a God thing, right? Um, well, we, Brittany and I, this is before we came to Bethel. It's amazing what money, the, I don't say the love of money, but maybe the need or the want. 
for money, some things you'll do. We decided it wasn't Advocare, but it was something very similar. <laughs> so if you're a multi-level marketer and you're in Advocare, I apologize. I'm not making fun of you. But it, it's funny how things, anytime you get your hands on something, you're like, you know what, I could make some money off of this. What you'll do, right? And so I can remember a story. We, we went to a conference for this thing. Somebody paid for it. They said, yeah, y'all come. Of course, we're under them, right? We're under them. We're on this level. They're there. And, you know, they're making all the money. We're just kind of going to make money for them, right? Well, we're like, we want to be like you. So we're going. We go to Houston. We go to this nice conference. I mean, it is, I mean, it's awesome. I think she'll, she would say it, we should go back. But. It was a good trip, um, but, you know, they go through these, you know, and like they bring all these people that have been healed from this magical drink, right? And I'm like, no way. Maybe my mom can, you know, take it and she'll be healed. And, you know, and I'm over thinking this magical drink. You got all these people that would lose all this weight from drinking this drink and, and applying the meal plan and exercising. Um, but you're hearing all these great stories, and I'm not saying they're not true. Not saying it's not true. It's all, I get it. But where I'm saying I come, I kind of come in like Judas here. They're like, okay, text these five people this link right now and tell them we got this magical drink or whatever, you know. And think of the five people that need it the most, you know, text them and then send them these free drinks and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, <laughs> okay, okay, I'm going through my contacts. I'm getting all emotional. They got me all teary-eyed, and they're talking about how Jesus did this, and, you know, this is, they applying the Lord and everything. I'm like, man, this is a God thing, honey. You remember, right? You do. And then they passed an offering plate around, you know, and we're like, this company gives back, you know, and they passed it like three times. The third time, they're like, hey, reach in and take something. You, you need it. You know who you are. Don't deny the Holy Spirit, you know, and. So people are reaching in and taking hundreds and sticking them in their pocket. I, just, I need it. I need it to start my business. So anyways, I know I'm chasing a rabbit here. But what I found out, and I thought about it when I read about Judas here, is I can remember Colin, a friend of mine, I don't want to say I was lying, but I'll just say this. I was believing something that was totally not true. And I'm saying, hey, you know, God told me to call you, right? And get you to sign up and all this kind of stuff. And I'm painting this picture. And, and, it, and at the end of the day, it wasn't true. I, I was using God for money purposes, I was exchanging God to receive something of financial value that I could use for my family and I could just be this millionaire and I could sit back and raise my kids and work from home and oh, hunt all the time and fish. Oh, I didn't tell my wife that's what I wanted to do, but she probably already knew. But I did that. You know, I exchanged something there. So I could, I can, I am, I have been a Judas here. So let's look at Judas real quick. And starting in verse 10 here, it says, Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, went to the chief priest in order to betray him to them. And what they had heard it, they were glad and obviously promised to give him money. 
and he sought an opportunity to betray him. If you keep on reading, you see that Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples. He even says that, hey, there's going to be one of you that's going to betray me. He institutes the Lord's Supper. He predicts Peter's denial. He has the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then in verse 43, he says this, And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came with one of the twelve, and, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs, from the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when we came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi. And he kissed him, thus betraying our Lord. See, Judas followed Jesus on his own terms. Judas, a tax collector, found himself in position to be okay with stealing from the poor. If you look in John chapter 12, you'll see this. It makes a point to see this. But I'll say this. Judas is an example of how dangerous it is for us to entertain sin. I'll say it again. Judas is an example of how dangerous it is for us to entertain sin. Now... R.C. Sproul, R.C. Sproul, I don't know how you say it, doesn't really matter, but he says this. When we do not mortify our evil desires, but indulge in them, we make our hearts hard and willing to do things that are unspeakably wicked. Now, I mentioned earlier, sometimes we point out other people's flaws, other people's sins, other people's things, and we forget to reflect on our own things, right? So we have to be careful, right? I'm going to read it once again. When we do not mortify our evil desires but indulge in them, we make our hearts hard and willing to do things that are unspeakably wicked. Father, let us lay down our idols, Lord. Father, help us fully commit to you. Father, allow you to be the center of our worship the object of our affection, Father. May we lay down these idols, Father, in our world that we are in today, Father. May we realize that we too were in need of a Savior, Father. And I pray that this prayer this morning, Father, that we know right now that Satan, we know that Satan is defeated, Lord, that we are redeemed and we know that you are our Lord, Father. So I pray this morning, Lord, we give you our hearts that are truly broken, Father. And I pray that you allow us to worship you freely, Father. And keep speaking through the word this morning, Lord, as we continue to read, Father. May we apply these life lessons, Lord. And may we reflect on our own lives so that we can see you more clearly, Father. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's look at Peter. So I probably, out of, all the, out of all the disciples, this is the one I probably, I, I feel like I am the most, is Peter. Okay, and, and, and you got to think about this journey. And there's only, you're looking at only about three years of discipleship from Jesus, right? I'm 40 years old, and I think I was saved when I was eight, maybe nine. I don't remember. I just remember my dad being gone and on a trip, and my mom led me to the Lord, 
so that's, let's do the math on that. Let's just say 32 years I've been, I've been discipled, but I still find myself being like Peter, okay? And so it's easy to read the gospel and go, man, Peter, I can't believe that. He walked with Jesus. He touched Jesus, and he did this, and he did that. I can't believe he would ever deny him. And it's easy. When you read the Gospels, you see how over and over Jesus say, this is going to happen. Go here. Go there. You're going to see this. You're going to see that. Go here. This man carrying a jug of water. That's going to be the one. Go talk to him. There's a room prepared. We're going to go up here. We're going to break bread and fellowship. And they always seem to kind of doubt. And they don't really understand what they have in front of them. And we can, look, we can sit there and look at it and go, man, I can't believe that. Man, if I was there, I'd have, man, I'd have just worshipped him, loved Jesus. And I don't, whatever, right? So I find myself as Peter because I see him struggle. And so I, I, I did like a little character study on Peter because, you know, he's a fisherman and I like to fish, right? So I can see myself in his sheets a little bit. But I, I wrote down a few things about Peter, okay? He's kind of bullish. He's stubborn. He's kind of tough. And my wife would probably agree with that. I'm kind of stubborn. Uh, he relies on himself quite often. He loves passionately that right honey he likes to be in control but when he isn't he isn't real confident at times sometimes he can sink right uh, he's very con inconsistent at times very inconsistent but three years of discipleship it's probably going to happen right but he's also hasty at times and he doesn't always think things through and the biggest demonstration I can give you is the one where he saw Jesus and he just jumps out of the boat and he starts walking on the water. He's like, yeah, Jesus. And he starts looking. He's like, oh, the surroundings, all the things. And he begins to sink and he begins to lose his focus on what he should be focused on. He should have been looking at Jesus, but he's looking at all the other things he's going through, the waves crashing around him, and he gets fearful and he begins to sink, which is obviously in our lives shows us how much we need our Savior, okay? All right, so let's start here. Um, in Matthew 16, I'm going to kind of paint a picture of kind of what, you know, how Jesus paints Peter to be. And, and I want you to think, of, so I'm going to give you a little background information. It's, it's stuff, all the stuff you've probably heard growing up. Jesus asked this, who do you say that I am? This is Matthew 16. It says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then Jesus predicts that Peter will deny him three times before the rooster crows twice. And we can look at Mark 14. Verse 66, and as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were, in, were with the Nazarene, Jesus. Obviously, he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystander, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. 
And immediately the rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. And you read Luke. Once again, I like Luke. He paints the picture like this. And I can only imagine what Peter felt. In Luke 22, verse 61, it says, The Lord turned as Peter denied him. And he looked at Peter. And Peter in that moment, remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. In just a short period of time since Jesus predicted that Peter was going to deny him, Peter disowns three years of discipleship. Right there, right then and there. And I can sit here and look at I can't believe he did that. But man, how many times have I been up and have I been down and doubted my Savior, right? How many times have I stood the ground when I needed to stand up? Many times we try to do things on our own, and of course we fail. I'll give you another example, and I don't have the scripture for it, but it just kind of dawns on me. And I start thinking about Peter after this whole denial thing, uh, after Jesus um, had been crucified and he rose... Peter's out there fishing, right? He goes back to his comfort zone, right? That's, that's where he can function. You know, I'm good at fishing. I'm going to go back to doing what I do. And he's fishing. He ain't caught a cold, right? And Jesus is, you know, he's kind of chilling on the, on the beach there, water with a fire. And he said, what are y'all doing? Peter's like, hey, we're fishing. Duh. And he catching anything? No, I ain't catching nothing. And then Jesus says, throw your net on the other side. They throw the net on the other side, and before you know it's too big to even bring ashore, right? So when Peter's focused on himself and not focused on the Lord, he's not catching nothing. Nothing good is really happening, right? Many times we try to do things on our own, we, we fall short. Under our own power, we sometimes take the sword and we try to will things into being or things in our favor, such as selling a certain product <laughs> to try to get rich. didn't work because we're still middle class. I don't know. What is middle class anymore? I spent $22 the other day on a tank of gas, but it wasn't for my car. It for my lawnmower. <laughs> Why did I say that? Anybody know Tiny Birch in the White House? He said that this morning. It was pretty funny on Facebook. I had to throw that in there. Anyways. Under our own power, we sometimes take the sword and we try to will things into being or in our favor. And sometimes we cut off an ear, right? Like Peter did. But at that moment, in our brokenness, God comes and he puts the pieces back together. He heals. And so for us... We can focus on other people's sin. We can focus on what we see in the world today. We can look at, oh, I cannot believe this is happening. And we got all these people from California moving in. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> Paul. It's easy to focus on other things, but man, where your feet are, we have enough mess we need to clean up, right? And the only way we can do it is through Jesus, and we know that. 
you know, this whole week, you know, this is Palm Sunday. The whole week we start, we see what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. You know, we know about Good Friday. We know all the things. And next Sunday we're going to come. We're going to come together. and We're going to have two worship services, right? And it's going to be about the cross and the victory. But what's going to change in our life when we know we can apply this, we can apply it. We can't will things to work in our favor. We have to keep our eyes on Christ and trust him. Just like he told that lady, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So here's a few lessons to take from Peter. Think before we speak. Put the Lord first. Look at Jesus and not our circumstances. Rely on the Spirit and be grounded in the Word. Be transformed. Serve God and sacrifice our best for Him. Stay focused on the Lord. Joel said, He must become greater, I must become less. Sadly, Judas didn't come to that realization. But we have that opportunity. And I'm going to throw this last scripture in there. Um, Damaris, I believe, read this. It says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I can see that scripture in that lady that weeped and washed Jesus' feet. I can see that. I can see myself in the lady. I can see myself in Judas. I can see myself in Peter. I want to be able to be sure 100% to be able to see Jesus in me. And I hope that you can see Jesus in me. We should hold each other accountable. We have these life groups that we get to spend time together and build each other up and build each other up in our faith to be able to serve like the family count ministry tonight, people that are going to be serving and trying to help put families back together. What an awesome opportunity to show the world Jesus. I'm thankful that we can celebrate that Christ defeated Satan. He took our place and he won that victory and he rose. And we get to celebrate next week together. So come prepared to worship Wherever you're at, whatever you feel, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're fired up and just joyous about, come and be ready to worship our Lord next week. We have two services. You get perfect opportunity to do that. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. If you have questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.